Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Ayo 
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning, all. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos and really a very, very special Friday Erev Shabbos here at J.M. in the A.M. I could say that with full confidence. It's Friday morning on this September the 7th, the 27th of Elul. Erev Shabbos Parshas Nitzavim with candle lighting here in New York at 6.58. Rosh Hashanah this coming Monday and Tuesday. Tom Gedalia on Wednesday. We'll be here Wednesday morning with a full broadcast and a full broadcast schedule. From JM in the AM and on. Uh, let's see some of the music we've been playing since the beginning of JM in the AM. You heard the Maccabees with Book of Good Life, the Sefer Chaim, done by Benny Friedman, Cantor Simon Cohen, Barosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah Shali, done by Yaeli Klein, Shlomo Katz had Barosh Hashanah, Hayom Haras Olam, Alicia Friedman and Company up in Waterbury, Shim Kramer with Hannah Shamalach from his Yamim Narayim album, the Choma Aminim album with Yom Trua, done by Mordechai Ben David. David Schlosselberg, his Shema Koleinu, that's a single. And, of course, Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. 76 degrees outside with 88% humidity. Winds are northeast at 7 miles an hour. Cloudy today with a high of 78. Then tonight, <coughs> excuse me, showers early in a low temperature of 66. Tomorrow, a cloudy Shabbos and a high temperature, 76 degrees. Yerushalayim right now at 78. We're at 76 in New York as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Wish everybody a happy, healthy, and sweet New Year. Matis will be on Sunday morning. Avrami will be on Saturday night. And, of course, we have a full day today, Friday. But this will be my last opportunity before the beginning of the new year to wish everybody a happy, healthy, and sweet New Year and thank our amazing listeners for keeping us going and all of our wonderful sponsors and supporters 
for keeping us going each and every year at JM and the AM. And when I say each and every year this morning, it has added significance because on September the 7th, 1983, era of Rosh Hashanah 35 years ago, I started this JM and the AM project. Um, that was the first time my voice was heard on WFMU back on September the 7th of 1983. As you know, after 33 years and change, we went ahead and founded our own independent network that you're listening to right now. But JMM has continued to the rate where I believe Matis told me this past Sunday when I was his guest on JM Sunday, because he keeps track of all this stuff. I believe he said I'm close to 8,000 shows, just morning shows, um, on JM and the AM. And uh, it's simply, simply hard to believe. It hit me this morning. We've been talking about Erev Rosh Hashanah, which we always do, in terms of it being the anniversary. But I didn't realize that today, September the 7th, is the actual anniversary, the actual 35-year mark on the secular calendar um, of when I started this little radio project that, thank God, has become an international sensation. And what an honor it's been to sit in this chair while all this has happened. Just unbelievable. Anyway, that's my uh, that's my <laughs> my anniversary speech for today, and I thank everybody out there for their good wishes, and I thank everybody out there for their good wishes for a brand new year, and I wish everybody a happy, healthy, and sweet new year. We have a big show today, obviously. It's our final jam in the AM of 5778. We'll do our weekly update coming up. We have special guests who will be joining us, or by Uden, of course, with plenty to say regarding uh, Parsha's needs of him. And uh, we'll wrap things up at 9 a.m. before we move into the rest of our Friday broadcast schedule. It's a Friday for us, almost Erev Rosh Hashanah, but certainly Erev Shabbos. Keep it here at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M., the one and only Mordechai Ben David. He's got a lot of amazing Yamim Narayim selections as we get closer and closer to the brand new year, and that's one of them. Um, the Cholmaminim album, Hayom Haras Olam, is the name of that selection here at J.M. in the A.M. Hamol, that's done by Shim Kramer. Book of Good Life was the Maccabees here at J.M. the A.M. Friday morning broadcast was 76 degrees here in New York. Cloudy and a high of 78. want to thank those who are commenting on the app. Anybody out there who would like to uh, toss in a comment, let us know where you are, what you want to hear. If you want to wish us a happy, healthy, and sweet new year, we'll take plenty of those. Oh, listener, uh, well, listener who identifies themselves as Cohen GL. Yitzchak in Silver Spring, Maryland. Thank you, Yitzchak. Best regards, everybody down in Maryland from all of us here at um, JM and the AM. We'll do our news from Israel coming up and plenty more. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com. On the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Discovered earlier that uh, today's the 7th of September. 35 years ago today, I spoke my first words on what will eventually be known or what would eventually be known as JM in the AM on WFMU Radio, and 35 years later, now we are an independent network, an international entity, and I've had the privilege and pleasure of being in this chair as all of it's happened over the last three and a half decades. Pretty amazing, and I thank all the listeners and all the supporters who've helped kept this going and helped us grow this amazing and uh, wonderful project from its birth to what it is now. Thank you so much. 7 o'clock in the morning. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday next. Boker Tov from Jamnia. Galitzal, Ashar Stein, Kanoa Maviram, Imashikore Ashav. Zal, Takaf Huliat Mechablim, Shishigra, Baloneta Vera, Mirzuat Azal, Shetach Israel. Katavenu at Zvait Zahidabush. Achare Hodesh Boshekit Nishmar, Bigvulazak, Litai Shelzal, Takaf Huliat Mechablim, Shishigra, Baloneta Vera, Bitsfon Rizuat Azal, Ever Shetach Israel. במקביל, באוגדת הזן נערכים בכוחות גדולים לקראת הפרות סדר המוניות שהתפתחו היום על הגדר. מוקדם יותר השבוע העריכו בצהל שהסיכוי להסלמה גדול יותר מהסיכוי להסכם הסדרה. מוקדם יותר היום עשרו גורמים מוסמכים ברצועה לכתבנו לענייני ערבים ג'קי חוגי כי ישראל לא מילאה את חלקה בהסכם הפסקת האש בסעיף תוספת שעות החשמל ורמזו בכך כי חמאס אינה מחויבת לשמור על שקט מוחלט. בתוך כך צעיר פלסטיני בן 19 שנפצע מאש צהל במהלך הפרות הסדר לפני חודשיים מת הבוקר ממצאיו. הצעיר אמג'ד פאיז חמדונה פונה לאשפוז בישראל במימון הרשות לאחר שנורא 
אולם הבוקר כאמור מת מפצעיו. קובי אמסלם, אביו של אילון שלו אמסלם, זיכרונו לברכה, התפרץ במהלך דיון בעניין הארכת המעצר של דורס בנו. כתבתנו מוריה אסרף. במהלך הדיון דרש עורך דינו של אלי בר זכאי להקל בתנאי מעצרו ולאפשר לו לצאת מהבית בפיקוח לתפילות בחג. קובי אמסלם, אביו של אלון, זכרונו לברכה, התרעם על ההחלטה ואמר באמצע הדיון, העובדה שהבקשה היא לאפשר לנאשם שרצח לנו את הבן להמשיך בשגרת חייו בזמן שאלון שלנו קבור זה בלתי נסבל. השופט החליט לדחות את קבלת ההחלטה והדיון התכנס מחדש בשעה ארבע. מחאת חוק הלאום, תת-אלוף במילואים עמל אסעד, האלוף במילואים יורם יאיר, נציג החברה הבדואית אמיר מזארי ונציג החברה הערבית סמיר סאמר, הגישו לפני זמן קצר מכתב לנשיא המדינה, ובו קראו לו לשנות את החוק, כדי שיכלול שוויון זכויות מלא לכל אזרחי המדינה. כתבתנו שיר עזרף שמעה את עמל אסעד בתום הפגישה עם הנשיא ריבלין. הנשיא עודד אותנו ואמר שהוא מעריך מאוד את המאבק שלנו כי מדינה בלי שוויון ובלי דמוקרטיה מאבדת לאט לאט את החוסן הלאומי שלנו. לקראת הפסגה המשולשת, נשיא רוסיה פוטין ונשיא טורקיה ארדואן נחתו בטהרן. כתבתנו יערה אגם איחורי. שני המנהיגים נחתו בטהרן בשעה זו לקראת הפגישה בהשתתפות נשיא רוסיה פוטין, נשיא טורקיה ארדואן, נשיא איראן רוחני וגם המנהיג העליון של איראן חמינאי הצטרף לחלק מהפסגה. בפגישה המנהיגים ידונו על האפשרות לפתוח במבצע צבאי בעיר אידליב מעוז המורדים האחרון בסוריה. שעות אחדות לקראת הפסגה, הבוקר התרחשו הפצצות אוויריות על אידליב, ששלושה מיליון אזרחיה נתונים בסכנה. העיתונאי, שדרן הרדיו והסופר זאב ענר, הלך הלילה לעולמו בגיל 85. כתבנו יואב אונגר. לאורך עשורים ענר ערך והנחה תוכניות על ידיעת הארץ, בהן זיכרונות ארץ ישראל ומחפשים את המטמון בתחנת כל ישראל. במשך השנים כתב למעלה מ-40 ספרים על ההיסטוריה הישראלית. הלווייתו של זאב ענר תתקיים ביום ראשון בשעה עשר וחצי בבוקר בבית העלמין כנרת. ומזג האוויר מהיום ועד ליום ראשון צפויים גשמים מקומיים בעיקר בצפון הארץ ובמרכזה. הערב תחול ירידה בטמפרטורות והן תהיינה נמוכות מהרגיל. אלה החדשות שעורכת גל ויצנר, בצוות חמוטל רוזן ואילי קונפלד. J.M. in the A.M. It's our news from Israel. Well, today I mentioned is a significant anniversary for, for us, certainly. Um, it was Erev Rosh Hashanah back in 1983 uh, that JM and AM essentially began 35 years ago, believe it or not. And uh, we discovered early this morning <laughs> that that day, Erev Rosh Hashanah 1983, was September the 7th. So 35 years ago today on the secular calendar, JM and AM began. And uh, one of the people that has helped us get to be this international entity that I've had the pleasure of uh, supervising from this chair over the last 35 years is uh, Yigal Siegel, my dear brother, and somebody who has been on our staff officially and somebody who's been more than just a staff member uh, for a long time already. I believe that he is going on, in terms of his affiliation with us, I think he's going on 16 years already, if I'm not mistaken. Yigal Siegel from Jerusalem. Welcome to JM in the AM. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for this wonderful uh, 
opportunity to hear uh, the Israel news live. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> you you had no way to access it otherwise, huh? I know. It's like it's like you know it would it would take me like you know two seconds to open the radio in my house. But why should I when I can hear it on your show? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and happy anniversary, big brother! Happy anniversary, thirty-five years! Wow. You know, I said to someone earlier, it's you know, twenty-five is is a an unbelievable number for anything, a job or you know, any type of career. I don't know. Thirty-five seems like just a completely different level to me, frankly. Well, first of all, since you're only forty, it's really unbelievable <laughs> that you've been on the air for thirty-five years. I agree with uh, that. But seriously, since I'm one of the last people alive who remembers when you started, <laughs> I figured I'd call in and wish you mouth. <laughs> is that what you're claiming? The ma- the majority of the people are gone already. That's how long ago it is. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm sure. Listen, I'm sure Bassus and everyone else on your staff will argue with me, but uh, yeah, for sure. It's that's, been a long time. That's actually pretty listen, funny. Sir, there are people who have told me, I'm sure they've told you, that they 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 don't remember life without Malcolm Siegel on the radio. They have absolutely no idea what, what life is like without hearing your voice every morning. Well, which, which makes a lot of sense if you've been on the air for 35 Unbelievable. You have a lot of merits. You have a lot of system. And uh, as, your, as your brother and, of course, as a uh, member of your staff, I want to wish you Mazel Tov. And uh, listen, I wouldn't mind if you go another 35 years if you want. Oh, that would you know, be amazing. We could, we could try and work it out. <laughs> if, I, if, I'm only, if I'm only half done, I'll be very happy, frankly. Uh, by well, the way, by the way, you and a lot of other things that have happened over the last 35 years have really increased uh, both our as a staff and our listeners as participants in all of this uh, connection to Israel. We've really, you know, we've really, when you think about what the show did on a daily basis 35 years ago and what it's doing now, we really have have accomplished something in terms of bridging the gap between Israel and diaspora jury. And for that alone, I'm very, very proud. And you're obviously a piece of that because we've been checking in with you from Israel for God knows uh, over 10 years already. Well, if you remember, I mean, we we made Aliyah around 13 years ago. Wow. Uh, 13 years ago, exactly, wow. in August. And uh, the only reason that uh, that our mother, may she rest in peace, was uh, okay with it was because I told her that you said I had to go. <laughs> so, so, I mean, uh, I always listened to my older brother. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's uh, it's been a uh, there's no question that you have a, a, a tremendous uh, portion in what we're doing here in Israel, and we appreciate that. And uh, we're just happy that uh, thank God things are going strong. Um, that the network is doing so well in the seventh season now, and yeah. that you're going, you're heading to South Africa soon. Unbelievable! And just good things seems to seem to continue to happen, and we look forward to uh, celebrating uh, more anniversaries with you. Amen. With all your listeners. Amen. Yigal Siegel from Israel, and um, we we can't possibly end this conversation without uh, talking about for a second uh, the wonderful and incredible. Um, a couple of months that you and your family have had, we've had the opportunity. Oh, oh really? What happened? We've had the we had the, we've had the opportunity now in the middle part of uh, 2018 and before the end of five seven seven eight to celebrate the wedding of uh, Yosef Siegel uh, to Shalva and the wedding of Neima Siegel to Tzvi, and that's pretty amazing. A lot of people out there, thank God, in our audience these days, you know, make two weddings in three months. But uh, you're you're one of those who could speak to it uh, personally. So Mazal Tov to you and Rifkin. We should have another year with plenty of smachot coming up. 
Amen. We look forward to it. Thank you so much. And uh, it should be a good year for all of us. Amen. Thank you, Yigal. Happy, healthy, sweet New Year, and Shabbat Shalom. Happy anniversary, Nath. Tadaraba from Jerusalem. Rabbi Yigal Siegel with happy anniversary wishes on this September the 7th, 35 years from the start of JM in the AM. In the AM, Mordechai and David with another amazing Yamim Noraim selection as we get set for the uh, brand new year of 5779. Erev Shabbos broadcast here at JM in the AM, wishing everybody a happy 
healthy and sweet new year. Soda Stream, and we've heard a lot about Soda Stream over the last few weeks and certainly over the last few years. Soda Stream International unveiled in New York City its Drowning Liberty installation. This was on display from September 3rd through September 5th in the Flatiron District in New York. Drowning Liberty consists of a 20-foot replica of the Statue of Liberty trapped inside a steel cage packed with single-use plastic bottles. SodaStream has created Drowning Liberty, which will or which will visit other locations, to call attention to the skyrocketing rates of annual plastic pollution. In addition to the installation, SodaStream has created a limited edition Be the Change carbonating bottle for use in making sparkling water at home, work, or school. The special bottle features a drawing of the earth and reminds users they should choose to love the world, reduce their ecological footprint, and reuse. Um, they invite, SodaStream invites the entire country, and I guess the world, to take a pledge at sodastreampledge.com to help curb the U.S. addiction to single-use plastic. Roy Naaman is the Vice President for Growth Markets and Corporate Development at SodaStream U.S. Roy, shalom. Welcome to JM in the AM. Shalom. My pleasure being GM, JM. I appreciate that. Was this from the beginning, from the beginning of the SodaStream company, was this one of their missions to call attention to single-use plastic? Yes, I think SodaStream today represents one of the best solutions for the environmental problem of plastic. I think all of you know that studies show that by 2050 there will be more plastic than fish in the world ocean. I think that's an amazing call for action and something that we all need to address. And SodaStream Solution and Soda Homemaker represent one of the best solutions to that problem. Who came up with the idea to drown the Statue of Liberty? <laughs> it was part of a team effort. I mean, we did a lot of cages installation in the past, and we saw that when we are coming to show it to the U.S. people and consumer, we want to make it in a bit of a more localized way, and we saw that the combination of drowning liberty inside <laughs> plastic will draw the right attention, and that was the case. We had an amazing three days in Flat Iron Plaza, integrating with thousands of Americans, talking to them about the epidemic of plastic, talking about our solution, and how an average American family, by using SodaStream, can save more than 3,700 bottles. I would, That's an amazing number. It, it certainly is, and I would imagine in lower Manhattan you had a, uh, or Midtown, you had a very, very sympathetic crowd to the cause, I would bet. Yeah, yes, you're 100% right. I think there's a lot of sympathy to what we do, and I think people realize, especially seeing Drowning Liberty inside the cage, that everyone needs to take a commitment. And as you rightly mentioned, we have a pledge online, SodaStreamPledge.com. And everyone is invited to sign, take a pledge to reduce your single-use plastic and start using more reusable plastic, make a difference. And we're also sharing a very nice bottle with everyone taking the pledge. Are we the worst at this? Is the United States ranked really low when it comes to, I don't know, recycling or trying to stem the tide of single-use plastic? I don't want to say worse, but I would say U.S. represents a big part of the of the problem of single-use plastic as a big nation, also as a big heavy user in single-use plastic. I can tell you only that the U.S. alone, using more than 70 million barrels of oil in the production of plastic bottles each year, wow. 70 million barrels only to make plastic. So that's quite a substantive amount. How does Israel rank? Are they better in the Holy Land than us when it comes to this? 
I think we are a bit, but of course there's a room for everyone to improve. So this is a mission that everyone needs to take part of, and Israel is no different in that respect. All right. Uh, people go to SodaStreamPledge.com, SodaStreamPledge.com, and anybody who goes there gets the special gift. I'm confused. How does it work? Yes, what you can do is sign the pledge, take a commitment to switch to a usable bottle, and the first 10,000 that will do that will get a free bottle from us. It's a special bottle, limited edition, which represents the message we are discussing today, be the change bottle. Do you have any idea how the um, Heroes of Israel bottle set did? Do you know if that was uh, if that caused a stir out there? I need to repeat a question, please. When the when you released the Heroes of Israel bottles with Ben Gurion and Golda Meir, yes. do you know how the, those did out there? Did it make an impression out there? They are amazing. The whole country was discussing about that. They're also <laughs> broadcasting it on TV. Everyone wants to have one. I'm still getting people calling me for us for a three-pack. So we still have some available in the Holy Land. Please come over and take some. Well, SodaStream sent one to us. It's sitting right here. I guess we have a collector's item. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Now all we need is the uh, Be the Change bottle. We got the whole set. <laughs> but this is very easy. Just go on and sign on the pledge. SodaStreamPledge.com. You can do it. Uh, everybody out there is encouraged to go to SodaStreamPledge.com. SodaStreamPledge.com. They are inviting the entire country, all of us in the U.S., who seem to be addicted to single-use plastic and certainly are not that good at, uh, at, at, at fighting this battle, uh, SodaStream's trying to help us uh, fight the battle a little better. So go ahead, take the pledge. If you're one of the first 10,000 people to do it, you get a complimentary Be The Change bottle and a percentage, of course, of the uh, SodaStream.com sales during this event, uh, during this week, is donated to the Oceanic Society to support its work in driving action for ocean conservation. Correct. We are very proud to do a joint venture with Oceanic Society around that project and uh, work together in order to support the situation in the ocean. So They do good work, huh? They do an amazing work, amazing work around turtles, around ocean for a very long time, and was our pleasure working with them together on that project. Roy Naaman is Vice President for Growth Markets and Corporate Development at SodaStream US. I take this opportunity to wish you a Shana Taval Mituka, happy, healthy, and sweet new year. One of the ways to make it sweet is to add some of that, uh, some, add some of that flavor to the bottle, right? <laughs> yes, we can do that as well. We have a lot of flavors all available around here. And I'll take also the opportunity to wish Shana Taval, behalf of all the SodaStream family, for all the lovely listeners of JM in the AM. And wish you also Shabbat Shalom. I appreciate that. You know, you had SodaStream had a great five seven seven eight. Do you think they'll have a great five seven seven nine? We're gonna have a great year, no doubt around that. There you go. <laughs> Shabbat Shalom to you. Thank you. Bye. There it is. Uh, the the uh, lo- latest efforts from SodaStream to um, to stem the tide of single use plastic. The 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 reason I'm laughing is because the. Uh, it, it, it was made clear to us that at no point in this conversation should we discuss the uh, SodaStream uh, sale to PepsiCo. Uh, this conversation was strictly about this Drowning Liberty project. Um, however, I will take this opportunity to wish a mazal tov to everybody at SodaStream for a deal that not only uh, brought a tremendous amount of money to them and to, to people who live in Israel, uh, but uh, something that... Um, uh, that made such an impact when you think of the political history of the soft drink industry. And we've discussed this before. So we say mazal tov to SodaStream and thank uh, Roy for joining us on this Erev Shabbat as we get closer and closer to Rosh Hashanah. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.
Shabbos, 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 Shabb
We've been returned to Israel and are like dreamers. All the leaders of the world are trying to understand how, while our people flood back in from all the nations, and after centuries of tears, we see you, Hashem, in everything and await your warm embrace of full redemption.
Zero <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Kleinstein. He's been announced. He's coming to New Jersey beginning of December uh, for the Atid Society at the uh, Kushner Schools, and uh, that is a an unbelievable get. Uh, he'll be there uh, that night. I hope to be there that night, and uh, it's going to be quite a night. Rami Kleinstein from Israel. Uh, there he is for you at JM in the AM. Uh, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candle lighting at 6.58 uh, here in the New York area. Erev Shabbos parishes need Savim. 35th anniversary of JM in the AM, which started September the 7th, 1983, believe it or not. I want to thank uh, Yigal Siegel, who joined me earlier from Israel. Funny moment as he uh, spoke about the last 35 years. And I thank the amazing supporters and listeners of this show for keeping us going as I've uh, sat in this chair and seen this program become an international entity. It is uh, quite an honor, and I very much appreciate it. I want to thank our friends at jewishworldreview.com, jewishworldreview.com. Check them out every day, but certainly Fridays get an opportunity to print out a whole bunch of articles about Israel and the Jewish world before Shabbos and 
go through those over the weekend. Uh, also, keep in mind our friends at OnlySimchas.com. OnlySimchas.com has an amazing news feed with great items. A lot of good news, which is wonderful. Uh, check them out every single day with some of the unique things they're reporting about. OnlySimchas.com and their news feed. Again, check them out every single day. By the way, I wanted to give a mazel tov to our friend Joel Baruch at uh, Gotta Get a Bagel in Woodmere. Uh, they're back in their original location as of yesterday. Mazal tov, Joel. Uh, renovations complete. They're all back and set, and uh, we wish them the very best from all of us here at JM and the AM. So they're back in their original Woodmere location. Again, we say Mazal tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update on this Friday, Erev Shabbos. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you. You know, in addition to the Yom HaDin, in addition to the uh, you know the personal holiday that, uh, that Rosh Hashanah is between man and God, there's a big national element as well uh, to the Rosh Hashanah holiday. I would hope that our rabbis will use this opportunity on Monday and Tuesday to speak about uh, the national direction that we are going in, the importance of uh, national topics like the state of Israel to our people. It would be good to to sort of balance it out on Rosh Hashanah. Would you agree? Well, in Yana Diyama, I've always been in a long tradition of the Jewish people, relevant topics that uh, while we talk on a spiritual level and a loftier level on the Yom on the high holidays, still the, the uh, relevance and bringing the message, especially at a time like this, is really critical. And let's hope that, in fact, those messages come across in a very positive way. By the way, you know, I, I always turn to you when it's not necessarily a Jewish item, but I'm fascinated by the political science behind it. Uh, is there any benefit, in your opinion, to anonymously submitting an op-ed to the New York Times if, in fact, one is on the inside of the White House administration? Yes, you don't get fired. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant is there, I, 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 I didn't mean if there's a benefit to do it anonymously. I meant is there any benefit to bring this to the attention of the American people? Well, I guess if somebody feels uh, so motivated to um, uh, and concerned about what is happening, but frankly, uh, it would be far more integrous, I think, and, and, and meaningful if they would sign and resign and show that they're willing to pay a price for what they believe, but to, to do it anonymously, and it's something, of course, the New York Times will love. Uh, I think uh, compromises and, and, you know, now the speculation and the discussion has nothing to do with what the content of the article was yeah. or the, the op-ed, yeah. but rather who's the author. Yeah. And everywhere I went in yesterday and even the night before in phone calls, um, people I met from the administration and others, uh, everybody had a different idea, different direction, and it promised that it puts so many people under suspicion and puts, you know, that, that cabinet members immediately rush to put out statements saying, it's not me. Right. You, know, you you must have heard some doozies. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, I wasn't there. I was, I was away that day. No, I'm not blaming I, I you. I'm, I'm, I'm right. saying you must have heard some interesting theories, to say the least. No, I know that what you were referring to. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, you know, it's not a funny matter. It exposes to the world, you know, the, the presidency. But I can understand why somebody who feels that there's a dangerous trend or something and, and incapable of changing it. I just think that it's, um, it would 
it would give it much more clarity um, if they did it in, in a way. But also, is that person working in the administration to undermine right. the president? States, that's a frightening thought. You know, it's uh, that, that's why that's my my question was, you know, is there a benefit to releasing this op-ed? In other words, I get it that there might be people in the White House protecting Americans and all of us and the world from the president. Okay, you know that might be happening, but is there a benefit to letting us know that? I, I just don't I don't understand that. But uh, so that was why. Well, I there is that. if they want to to mobilize, you know, public opinion. Look, we 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 pay tribute to to dissidents all over the world who stand up against their regimes. Right. But those are usually regimes where you don't have freedom of speech, where you don't have the ability to otherwise uh, protest or dissent. Right. Yeah, I get that. All right, and one last thing before we move into the news of the day regarding Israel and the Jewish world. This is obviously the Jewish world, and that is that uh, uh, you've always said, and we always reiterated, especially on Erev Rosh Hashanah, which today almost is, and that is don't take security in your uh, religious institutions for granted, at the minimum, make plans, and certainly, even more than that, be in touch with your local uh, law enforcement, because a good relationship with your local police department can go a long way in different situations. It's true, and especially uh, for those who are in the New York area, New Jersey, they have many of the police departments, and certainly the NYPD, they were, they had the planning, and they do an annual event where many people come, and uh, they discuss the preparations and right. the special deployments that take place and the um, uh, knowing the name and knowing the con- and having a contact at a local precinct can be really critical and you don't want to have to start doing that if god forbid there's some emergency or immediate need and it's, the people can go to the scan cure community network website and i think it's scnus.org and and they have uh, advice and instructions on steps that can be taken, but this is not something that should be just done before the holidays, although that's a higher right. visibility period, but year-round. All right, good message, and obviously, folks, remember, it's the last time we'll be speaking to you before Rosh Hashanah, so if there is something that can be done at the last minute to secure that type of relationship or connection it should be done ASAP. All right. Iran's rial fell to a record low of 150000 to the dollar this past Wednesday. Uh, speaking of coups or overturning governments, as we said last week, and I pointed this out and you agreed, uh, often this type of, um, of economic situation will in fact lead to some type of, uh, you know, of grassroots revolution. Anything different this week with this statistic out than last? Yes, that it's it's, it's dropped further this week wow. and has been a steady decline. It's um, a message about the impact of the sanctions to a large degree, although this uh, began already uh, before the, the, the latest round of sanctions were announced. Uh, a year ago, I think the real was about 30000 to the dollar, and about uh, 30 years ago it was 70 to a dollar, but the... The decline at this rate, I mean, it reminds one of Venezuela, mm-hmm. that the economy isn't collapsed today. This week, the, the Japanese announced that they're not going to buy any more uh, oil from from Iran, even though about 5% of their oil comes from there and about 40% from Saudi Arabia. Still, it was a major uh, element in, in Iran's public position that they still traded with Japan and they, they do with China. Uh, but not, their ships won't take it. The Chinese sh- uh, ships won't take it anymore, so they used 
Iranian chips to buy it, but also major banks this week pulled out, uh, and they're losing all the aspects and uh, access to any international markets because they can't get insurance, they can't get shipping, they don't have the banks, and the major airlines are, are pulling out. And while, Turkey, while Iran can survive uh, for a while, the fact is that unemployment is soaring, the, the, their basic needs are often not available in some places, and that the dissident movements, the Basiji, who are these extremist elements uh, in the, uh, around, all around Iran, but who report to the uh, Supreme Leader, and it's a, it's a sort of separate entity that uh, often uh, in days past they would drive around on motorcycles and with chains and just whip anybody who was not dressed properly or whom, to whom they want to, who they accused of anything and they had free reign uh, recently they were not going in their own cities they were going to other cities because they were facing retribution now they announced that they're going to be putting out tens and tens of thousands of basiji troops in the streets they call them special forces but they're they're not. These are, are essentially domestic terrorists who will be uh, riding around, who will be patrolling, who will be present in the cities to prevent the demonstrations. So it tells you that they're really impacting the government. The government is is uh, is afraid of it, and the um, and the, that the unrest in the country is very serious. So the, the, you see that the. Um, uh, the impact, I think, of the sanctions from those who said that, you know, t- the closing the JCPOA, pulling out of it, would yield uh, little results. The fact is that it's devastating in European com- countries who have promised all sorts of assistance and alternatives. It's all failed. Nothing is coming of it. And I think the the uh, we should watch this very carefully because the internal dissension and disruptions at a time when Iran is, is trying to expand its role especially in Syria, where this missile factory, a surface-to-surface missile factory, and in the last week, uh, pictures of the Iranians shipping missiles into Iraq emerged, um, intelligence pictures. So this is, uh, uh, you know, Iran continues to play an expansive role today, as we speak, actually. The leaders of Iran, Russia, and Turkey are meeting, and essentially the focus will be about Idlib and the battle in uh, in Syria, where Russia and Iran are are, for, are already bombing uh, the cities, and Turkey wants restraints and and has special interests there, and because they're battling the Kurds and those forces. Is, is but, there such a thing as a strong government in that type of economic situation? Like I'm trying to think of like pre World War II governments who, because of the horrible economy, it looked like, and especially because of, of scapegoats that they were able to cite, it looked like they had more of a hold and more of a secure position among the people. Is, that, is, is Iran's government teetering because of the situation, or, or because the people have nowhere else to turn, they're even stronger than they were? Well, it can't go both ways, because when, when a government, uh, like in Turkey, their currency is also in free fall, and the economy hurt, uh, but the, the uh, people are rallying around Erdogan, right. Uh, there is a there is a large dissident element, but the uh, and and will grow, I think. But the, his his he has a, an extremist ideology to which, which they find appealing, and uh, often 
when they feel that there's an outside enemy, people rally around their government. The difference here is that this has been going on for a long time, that the Supreme Leader does not in- enjoy an increasing support. It's decreasing. And the uh, Iranians know what democracy is, and, and they had experienced it uh, with Mossadegh and, and in the past. So th- th- this is not a-, a comparable situation to, let's say, Turkey. But you saw in Venezuela, where the government at full collapse, you know, which cracks down, uh, you know, lawlessness is rampant, the society is in, in free, complete collapse, law and order in collapse, and millions of people leaving the country. So that's the more likely model. Right. And, and I think we know, we know, by the way, people leaving Iran as well. And that's legally or illegally? No, they can, people can leave, but they have, you know, the border with Azerbaijan. There are other ways that they can try to get out. Can the few Jews leave, uh, leave Iran if they wanted to? They can. The problem is they can't get into the United States, where, where most of them have family and want to come because of the immigration restrictions are not being processed. Can they get to the U.S. You know, via a different route if they spend? It's, it's not a different route. Uh, you know, for instance, most go through Austria. But the Austrians won't let them come until they have permission to go to the United States because they don't want them staying. You know, for six months a year in, and in decreasing economic conditions um, in in Vienna. So they're willing to let them come and to move on in a reasonable period. But right now, people, several hundred Jews who had applied for visas, have been sitting on their suitcases in Tehran, and obviously others are not going to apply if that's the circumstance. And for those listeners wondering about going directly to Israel, of course, that would be impossible. Um, I really don't want to discuss that. And uh, and, if they, and and there's no there's no other Arab country I could spend time in like Jordan etc before heading to Israel it would not work none of those systems would work correct. Well, first of all, if they want to come to the United States as refugees, they have to come directly here. Uh, but yeah, but I what do about, think that yeah. that if those if they wanted to go to Israel, there are ways that they could do that. Hmm. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world. The web at NachumSegal.com on the NachumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmlines with us. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Is the Labor Party in England going to ever get things straight? Whether they, in fact, want Israel to be declared as racist or whether they uh, agree with the worldwide definition of anti-Semitism? Uh, well, they did reject the call to declare Israel a racist state or Israel's creation a racist act, which was Corbyn's uh, platform. They adopted the universal decor- the definition of anti-Semitism that was done, and he obviously was not supportive of that because he himself is uh, you know, defined clearly under all definitions as an anti-Semite. Uh, I met this week with a leader of the British Jewish community, and frankly, it's a pretty frightening tale. And as I, I feel that uh, Europe is burning, it's something you know that for 10 years on the show we talked about, and he acknowledged it and said for many years Malcolm Warren doesn't kept saying it, and we, we didn't listen, we rejected it. And now they have a very difficult circumstance. And this is Great Britain, which thought it was protected by the English Channel from the scourge of anti-Semitism in in Europe, uh, all over Europe. And the um, uh, so Corbyn's leadership of the Labour Party, which today is at about 40-40 with the 
the conservatives. And the, there's no election until 2022, but there are local elections. There'll be others. And, and the very fact that his anti-Semitism is not enough reason to kick him out. Tony Blair, the former prime minister, labor prime minister, and even more importantly, Gordon Brown, I would say, uh, made very strong statements this week uh, about the need to, for the Labor Party to, to take clear and, and decisive steps. And every day there's another revelation about Corbyn's thing. This is not something that was based on an incident or somebody could say he misspoke or misinterpreted some event. I mean, constantly there are all of these manifestations and, and go back many years that his hostility to Israel that crosses into anti-Semitism uh, has, been, has been known and, and evident. And the message here as well, that we have people who are getting elected or will be elected in, in the upcoming elections across the country <clears throat> that uh, manifest very hostile views, are anti-Israel in some cases, and even anti-Semites. We, we have clarity when we talk, look at Britain from thousands of miles away, and sometimes it's harder to see it here. Europe is, smol- is, is burning, but America is smoldering. And the, the potential danger here uh, should be evident to people that we can't wait until somebody is a candidate or, or put in a position because the opposition didn't run or because the, the, they have no opponent in the, in the general election. We have to root them out and identify people who are hostile or anti-Semitic, anti-racist, who are anti-racist or, anti, or bigots or anti-anything that have to be identified at the very start that they not get elected, that they not be put in a position where they can sprint into Congress, where they have a platform and a bully pulpit to espouse their hateful views, pro-BDS, pro-other things that are, um, I, I think, of, uh, of great concern. You know, with the uh, primary day right around the corner and a, obviously a keen eye of the entire country on, uh, on the midterm election day, uh, both those nights are going to be very interesting vis-a-vis what you're referring to now. It's going to be interesting to see who gets in, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Jewish community reacts when the wrong people get in. Frankly, yeah, but once they're in, it's it's right. Uh, Agree after the fact. Agree. What my point is, we have to prevent it before. Yeah. Now, what you're saying is right. That the responsibility doesn't end with an election; it'll begin with the election. Yeah, but I'm saying that we're going to monitor re- them, to right. to pressure them, to educate them, to hopefully see that their their views are are not based upon uh, an animosity, but based upon uh, ignorance or lack of information. But the evidence is to the contrary, that even people who have been offered opportunities, who have expressed these kind of views, people running even in, uh, in uh, elections in our own districts, um, have not been receptive to, to information or education yeah my point being that a lot of people will just wake up on election night that uh, that's what i'm mm-hmm. saying i know you agree with that um all right so uh, the united states president donald trump is encouraging jewish leaders and rabbis to remain optimistic in the new year on the prospects of peace between israelis and palestinians speaking with them briefly by phone to mark rosh hashanah we're going to be able to get it done he said we did something that i now understand why so many presidents before me didn't do they would campaign. They were always going to talk. They were always talking about Jerusalem and the embassy, and it was all very beautiful, and everybody was happy, and then they never did it. I'd say, you'll get money, but we're not paying you until we make a deal. If we don't make a deal, we're not paying, and that's going to have a little impact. I assume the money he's referring to is 
Palestinian aid. And until a deal is made, he's saying, in theory, he's willing or ready to hold back those funds. Am I right that that's what he was talking about? Yes, but he, he was saying that uh, not even a deal. They have to negotiate. Abbas, he says, is attacking us, criticizing us all the time, and we're giving them money. Right. We've given them billions and billions of dollars, and he, they're pointing out what have we gotten. And the, the actions taken against UNRWA, which is long overdue because everybody agrees that it's a corrupt operation, the, the, the real number of, of the original Palestinian refugees first generation, is about 30,000 people who can qualify under most accepted definitions. People all over the world who are refugees, their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren aren't considered refugees receiving aid. The UNHCR, the High Commissioner on Refugees, serves all the refugees around the world with a staff of 7,000. UNRWA has a staff of 30,000 and serving just the Palestinians. And there are agencies in the U.N., that are just propaganda machines spending millions of dollars against Israel. There are other, the Article 7 in, in, when it comes to the Human Rights Council, etc. But here, nobody is saying they don't want to see basic needs met for the refugees. But you don't make it an institution. It, it deprives in, the Palestinians of incentive to to build new lives, to be at the, and also because they weren't absorbed in the countries, and and were restricted. In Lebanon, Palestinians can't get most jobs; they're not allowed to work in most fields. In Syria, they were discriminated against, and in all of the countries, not absorbed because they wanted to use them as political pawns. So the the um, uh, you know this has become a corrupt major industry, in which countless billions of dollars. And then you had the UNRWA institutions used for incitement. You have so many charges against UNRWA and many people who have been long screaming and yelling, and we have taken this position that it should have been addressed a long time ago. The administration made a decision, and and, um, Ambassador Haley clearly uh, enunciated it and the reasons for it. So it's not because they're indifferent to, to the need. It's saying that this is a corrupt institution, and it's just perpetuating... Uh, the dependency of the Palestinians. So for them, it's not a good thing. And I think the you know saying that they would find other routes, perhaps to to give humanitarian aid, uh, is important. But giving money to Gaza, to, to Hamas, continuing all of these uh, sham operations, seeing the money diverted either po- people's pockets or to terrorist activities, it's going to end. And by the way, I think that you know he, he reviewed. The pre- I heard I was on the call with the president. He reviewed uh, some of his actions over the past year, and the the um, obviously the Jerusalem embassy loomed very large. Right, rightfully and they so. About expanding the building and, and wow, other uh, things that it'll be double the size uh, within the year. Uh, I think Ambassador Friedman or the president said, um, but he, he extolled the work of of his peace team, which is right, and to to talk about the. Uh, some of the accomplishments you look it's legitimate legitimate to criticize the president as every president uh I, I think some of the characterizations that i saw of the of the call were not uh, accurate um 
you know, he took only two questions, and they were clearly prearranged. Right. But so did other presidents. I mean, it's not <laughs> it's not so, unusual. Huh? Such, a, such an unusual thing. On the Abbas, Although some did take more open. Right on the Abbas thing for a second. Did he just reject the possibility of meeting with President Trump during the UN session? Absolutely, said he's not going to meet with him until he fires the team and and uh, meaning until Trump fires his team. Right. <laughs> I mean. It, that in and of itself is is a message, is an indication. Well, that is part of what the president was was referring to. Right. And he has no interest in meeting him. Um, what, and, and then, Abbas, speaking of Abbas, then Abbas resented the fact that Israel was directly negotiating with Hamas or through Egypt with Hamas regarding right. what's well, happening. The Egyptians have given up this week on the Hamas-Fatah reconciliation talks. Uh, one of the stories that got... Very little attention given, I think, its significance, but not surprisingly, um, is that, that leaders of Hamas admitted that there was no march of return, that this is all staged because they were uh, to, was meant to avoid an internal explosion in Gaza where the forces were turning against each other after the breakdown with the Palestinians. Then they stopped paying the salaries, and et cetera, and the economic conditions there uh, diminished. So that they organized this as a diversion, something we said many times uh, about it. And this is, uh, and the riots are continuing. The kites are continuing to fly. To fly overnight, the Israelis eliminated a or attacked a, a battalion of the um, kite flyers, and people should not dismiss the amount of damage they've done. It's is very significant. So the um, um, that was the what was behind the announcement. Right, uh, we've given we've given the rabbis a lot of material to discuss on Rosh Hashanah. A lot of updates they can give their congregation, and they should talk about the good news and see that all the good things that that have happened in the past year. I saw that Moody's raised Israel's standing. That uh, there was a report of that so far, or that in nineteen in twenty eighteen, there will be four billion dollars of investment, foreign investment, in Israeli startups. Uh, that the amount of money continues. That the uh, when SodaStream got bought by Pepsi for $3.2 billion for all of those who, who were behind the BDS movement and targeted SodaStream. Uh, and uh, and well, certainly I think Scarlett Johansson, who did the pro-SodaStream right. advertisements and sympathetic advertisements, uh, uh, came under fire. Right. And who lost out now? It was Palestinians who lost. They lost their jobs. They lost the chance of having employment. And the the this is the study the story. So those who engage in BDS and say it's because of humanitarian concern for the Palestinians, it is a lie. They're not concerned about it. Israel's economically, thank God, very strong has not been hurt. The, the growth continues. I'm not saying there aren't challenges. There certainly are, and there are internal challenges that have to be addressed uh, in Israel. In the good uh, news department, the prime minister made sure during the the, the Philippine um, um, officials' uh, visit to Israel to point out they were the only Asian country to vote for the state of Israel, the only Asian country to help in Israel's creation. In Israel's creation, 1947, and they were the only uh, Asian country to have an open border for Jews during World War II, which I did not know. That uh, is true. They took in uh, I mean, a couple thousand. They offered safe haven uh, to, to some Jews. Look, we were set back with the uh, move of uh, the yeah. Paraguay. Um, What's that about? Why'd they do it? Because they have a new president, and uh, he doesn't agree with the policy. Got it. And the, the um, But there is a chance, you know, the man who was stabbed in Brazil, the candidate, 
is actually very pro Israel announced that if he's elected, he will move the Brazilian embassy, which would be far greater significance. Right. But it's also why I told, and we said it here, that you know we have to be modest in some of our responses to events. Right. Because you know the pendulum swings back and forth, and you have a lot of uncertainty. Countries that announced that they would move did not yet move. I'd rather see it done and be quiet about it than make a lot of noise and then be put in a position where they have to try and explain. I hope that they won't close the embassy there, though. For now, the ambassador has been recalled, and we'll have to see what uh, what comes of it there. In other words. You might, if you were the Prime Minister of Israel, you might have reserved that action and not called back the ambassador. No, uh, calling back the ambassador, absolutely. But uh, they they did say that they're going to close the embassy. Uh, Israel doesn't have embassies in every country, and there's a very small Jewish population there to be serviced. uh, and They can be serviced from a neighboring country, but I I think I would not yet say that I would close the embassy. Uh, Paraguayans have been supportive of Israel and uh, under the past the president who just went out was very sympathetic and supportive. Uh, finally, according to foreign reports, Israel's aim in providing weapons and cash to rebel groups in Operation Good Neighbor was to keep troops belonging to Hezbollah and Iran away from Israel's border. Israel reportedly armed and funded at least 12 rebel groups in southern Syria to prevent Iranian-sponsored insurgents affiliated with, the, with ISIS from becoming embedded near the Golan, according to a report in Foreign Policy magazine. So it's not just that they are helping refugees and those who are injured along the border. They're using the opportunity, I guess, to be in direct contact with rebel groups and and make sure to help them secure that border as much as possible. Well, Israel had a relationship with the rebel groups for uh, a while because they kept the border quiet, and Israel allowed them to be near the border as opposed to, let's say, the, the Iranian-backed troops, Hezbollah, the militias, the other groups that Iran brought in, and Israel is very adamant about keeping them away, and the revelation that they had more than 200 strikes against Iranian uh, shipments of weapons or Iranian sites uh, over the uh, recent year, and the uh, which is a huge amount when yeah. one thinks about it, and that's what they acknowledge, and they're somewhat limited because the Russians, et cetera, about what they can hit. But they were all along cooperating and working with them, whether they sent money or sent aid or did training, and certainly the the medical and other uh, support. But the um, that it, it was in everybody's interest that they keep the the border and the Jordanian border quiet and have this them the rebels there as a buffer group. Now, as you know, they're not there anymore. And the big showdown will be what happens in Idlib, which is going to be could be a massive bloodbath because of the number of rebel troops and. Um, the, as I said, they already started the bombing, and you know that they're going to saturate. And I was very disturbed by the reports that came from the Iranian-Syrian sources that there are, um, you know, that the rebels are bringing chemical weapons into the area, into Idlib. That could be a cover for their use of chemical weapons so that they can blame it on the other side. I don't have proof of it. I'm just uh, reading the, the headlines and knowing how devious uh, they are that, uh, and and knowing that the Syrian government has used chemical weapons and continues to stockpile and have them, uh, that it, it may well we may find out that they used them, and then they will say that it was uh, in the hands of of the rebel groups and Kurds and others who are in Idlib and uh, Turkey is uh, working against um, the massive attack that is uh, that has already begun, and Russia 
as you know, put a lot of ships, I think 12 of their ships in uh, in the vicinity. It's a massive uh, war game that they did, uh, including air exercises, which is interfering with the flights to Tel Aviv. And the flights had to be diverted or, or changed, the patterns changed or even delayed because of it. So the, the and you have a U.S. Egyptian with things. There are so many things that are going oh on. Oh my gosh, so many things at <laughs> I mean, once. I can give you all, <laughs> all of them, but every country in some way or another is involved. And as uh. I said, the, the Syrian, the Iranian missiles moving into Iraq. The, the you know for people because it's not in the daily headlines should not assume that this situation is uh, is diminishing. We also remember that we're coming up in a couple of weeks to to the big UN opening session. Right. And President Trump is going to chair the Security Council session dealing with Iran. And Zarif had the had the chutzpah to send out a, a tweet, or I don't know, it was Facebook tweet or something. But uh, he hashtagged it chutzpah for, for the president to come <laughs> to come there. So, and he's the foreign minister, of course, of Iran. <laughs> the chutzpah that he has. <laughs> and and uh, the Russians are pressing that this special session will deal with the. 2015 resolution, but the very fact that the president himself will chair it, that has been done before, but he's saying that he's doing it because he wants to give a speech about uh, Iran, and Rouhani is expected to, to to speak at the assembly, and Prime Minister Netanyahu will be here uh, as well. Um, His speech is Cholomoyed. Cholomoyed. During all right. Um, well, as the new year begins, first of all, forgive me. I just realized a minute ago that I missed the VART last night, so I'm sorry about that. But I'm sure it was a beautiful celebration. It so, was great. So, Mazal Tov to I'm, you, and I hope, I, I hope you, you know, in the in the spirit of the new year, I hope you do forgive me. I'm thinking. Okay, so thank you for that. And also, I am assuming and hoping that among your New Year's resolutions for five seven seven nine, you'd like to continue to address this audience on a weekly basis. Uh, I've been doing it for so many years. I don't know what I would do Friday mornings if I <laughs> if I didn't. And this this uh, coming Yantav, I'll be at the Woodcliffe Lakes for oh. those who will be uh, nice. there or in the area. They'll be hearing all about the Syrian border, and we'll give them then the secrets <laughs> that we can't do on the air. That's right. We'll be sharing with them the and, inside and, you know, information. All right, Malcolm. Real stuff. A happy, healthy, and sweet New Year to you, and thank and you for all you your too. your hard work and your dedication. It's much appreciated. My pleasure. Thank you for. Well, Thank you so much. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Friday is the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Time for our Elul show for blowing, please. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos mentioned earlier that the uh, September the 7th of 1983, I spoke my first words on the show that eventually would be known as JM and the AM 35 years ago today. And I thank all of our amazing supporters, all of our incredible listeners for allowing me to sit in this chair as we uh, have watched this show become an international entity from its little beginnings in East Orange, New Jersey. I thank everybody, and I thank everybody for the Mazel Tov wishes. A lot of nice Mazel Tov wishes coming through, and it's much, much, much appreciated. I'm very sentimental about this day. We knew, Matas and I discussed on Sunday, how in addition to getting close to 8,000 JM in the AMs, which is an amazing number, 
uh, we discussed that the anniversary is Erev Rosh Hashanah, because I started on Erev Rosh Hashanah, which would be this Sunday. Then this morning, very early this morning, it hit me that Erev Rosh Hashanah that year was September the 7th, so on the secular calendar, is t- today is the 35th anniversary, September the 7th, 2018, going back to September the 7th of 1983. And I, I have checked with the Nasi, I have checked with the Nasi, and we will be giving Kiddush tomorrow uh, in honor of this occasion at the Mizrahi, Apollo Mizrahi on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. You are all invited. This time each and every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin spiritual leader of congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Nitzavim. Wow. We are standing as we do every year. Parshas Nitzavim is always read on the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah. While there are no mitzvos per se in Pashas Nitzavim of the Tariag, there are some very powerful concepts to help us prepare for Rosh Hashanah. What I'd like to do first is a quick review of some of the key points regarding Rosh Hashanah, and then please God, if there's an opportunity, we'll come back to Pashas Nitzavim. Okay, so here we are, Mir Sashem, this forthcoming Sunday afternoon. Let's start with Mincha. And before you say Mincha, this Sunday afternoon, I want you to recall the very powerful words of Rebelio Lapian, who says, take note that in the ninth bracha that we say all year long, we're saying the same bracha. We ask God to bless this year. What year? We're talking about the the closing few moments of 5,778. What does that mean? It means that if you just stop for a moment when you say that bracha, you're going to realize that we need his bracha every moment of the year, right? Kol haneshama tahalil ka al kol neshima uneshima, literally with every breath. Okay, Emir Hashem, we go now to the night of Rosh Hashanah and what is especially noticeable is the um, changes, the additions and the change within the Shemona Esrei. Four addition and one very important change. The first addition is in the bracha of Mogain Avraham, Zochreinu Lachayim, and there, interestingly, we ask for life. We don't have any adjectives describing that life. Hashem, you give life. In the second request, in the second bracha of Machaya Mesim, Michamocha Avorachamim, Zocher Yitzura Vlachayim, then comes the next word, Rachamim. So keep in mind, we're going up from just asking for Chaim, we're asking now to Chaim Berachamim. In the end of the Shemona Esrei, in the Bracha of Hatov Shimcha, Uchsov Lachayim Tovim. Now we're going to beyond Chaim. Rachamim, we're going to Tovim, and finally, in the last bracha of 
Shalom Rav, Sim Shalom, Amavarech Samo Yisrael. We had B'Sefa Chaim, Bracha B'Shalom, Parnasa. We are keep asking because the more we beseech Hashem, the more we have a right to ask therefrom. Most important, if you forget any one of these four additions, you are okay. You don't have to repeat the Shemona Esrei. However, the third bracha, that all year long, we say, Baruch HaTo Hashem HaKel HaKadosh. And now, we change it to, Baruch HaTo Hashem HaMelech HaKadosh. This is so crucial that if one does not make that change, they must repeat the entire Shemona Esrei if they remembered after they've begun the next paragraph. If you say immediately, Baruch HaTo Hashem, Hokel HaKadosh, whoops, HaMelech HaKadosh, that's fine. But if you realize later on, now what does that show? It shows not only that we are focusing on God as King, right, which is a basic theme of Rosh Hashanah, that we coronate Hashem, but it shows how important your tefillos are. Everybody listening might say to themselves, me, come on, how important am I and my prayers? And now the answer is, how important are you and your prayers? So important that if you didn't make that change, you have to repeat the entire Shmona Esrei. Okay, at the end of davening, please God, there's a beautiful practice that we wish each other. A shanotova, same, you should be inscribed and sealed. Why? We look upon the next one as if they are righteous, and the righteous are ascribed immediately, says Rab Krispadoi in the Gemara Rosh Hashanah. We look upon ourselves as if we are Benuni, and therefore we know we need the 10 days of a service you made, Shuva, and that's why we had that beautiful uh, wishing one another after the davening. We come home, we make Kiddush like we do uh, every Shabbos and Yom Tov, and the Chasima, the closing bracha of the Kiddush, Melech HaKol Aretz. Once again, Rosh Hashanah is coronating Hashem. That is so important. What is a king? A king has Melech Meimis Umachayeh. A king has the ability to literally give life, extend it, or has the capacity to terminate it. Now, we make the bracha of Shechianu. Good. What are we going to do next? Like we do every Shabbos and Yom Tov. We're going to wash and we're going to make hamotzi. And there's the minog that, aside from the salt, whatever your practice is with the salt, you're then going to take the challah and dip the challah in honey. Good. You've made a hamotzi. Now, what are we going to do? We're going to do something which is an exception to the rule. Because whatever you're having as part of your meal, immediately after the motzi, we never make a bracha on. Should a person have a fruit cup immediately after the motzi? We don't make a bori pri or eights because it's all part of the meal. Whatever you're going to have, you're going not to make a bracha. However, Sunday night, we're going to take an apple and we're going to make a bore prior eights over the apple, even though we've made hamotzi. You're going to take a bite of the apple, you're then going to dip the apple in the honey, and you're going to recite the Yehi Ratzon, Shetachadish Oleinu, Shana Tova Umesuka. 
that Hashem should renew for us a good and sweet year. Why? Because this simple gesture is full of um, mystical teachings, be it that, as Rashi notes in Parshas Toldos, when Yitzchak smells the garments of Yaakov, thinking that it's Esav, Re'ei Re'ach Beni Kereach HaSodeh, and Rashi says, Kereach Tapuchim, like that of apples. The rabbis tell us, reminds us of Gan Eden, and I heard from a Gadol that what's happening here, we are telling ourselves that this is a day of judgment, Rosh Hashanah, as we know, who's being judged, not just we, but those who live and those who live eternally in Gan Eden. And we're asking Hashem very simply that the judgment should be, please God, a sweet one. Okay, then comes what is known as Simna Milsa. We take different fruits, different vegetables, and we recite a Yehirotzon with it. Now what is this? This shows that I don't only pray with a Machzor, I can pray with a date, I can pray with beets, and I can pray with a pomegranate. What does that mean? Or, I heard from a colleague of mine a very interesting idea, Hayom Haras Olam. Rosh Hashanah is the time of the creation of man. Man was put in Gan Eden. The Torah says he called names to all the animals and presumably to all the trees as well. He understood the character of and here too we take the pomegranate and we say wow look at the pomegranate with its plentiful seeds and therefore we say and pray how we can use the pomegranate to serve Hashem, how we can use the date, how we can use the beat, starting the year focusing on our positive service to Hashem. The bracha of Eights that you're going to make will certainly satisfy all the other fruits, and I don't believe the custom is to make any other brachos in terms of the Hiratzons are fine, but the brachos, just one bracha of the Bori Priya eights, because I'm eating it as a ceremonial food, I'm not eating it as an integral part of the meal. Okay, we uh, finish the meal with Birkas HaMazon. Don't forget to include uh, Yale Yavo. And here we are, please God, tomorrow morning. It's the first day of Rosh Hashanah. And we don't say Halil, even though it's a Yom Tov, because as the Gemara t- tells us, Sifrei Chaim, Sifrei Mesim, the books of the living and the dead are open on this day, and therefore we don't say Halil. Okay, now... We come to the Kriyasa Torah. On the first day of Rosh Hashanah, we read Vashem Pokadeh Sarah, <clears throat> which is that Hashem remembered Sarah, and Sarah gives birth when she is 90, showing Am Yisrael to be Lamalam and Ateva, but that God remembers Sarah, take Sarah's name out and put your name in, meaning everybody is remembered on Rosh Hashanah. And then... On the second day of Rosh Hashanah, we read the Akedah, that Avram was ready, willing, and able that when and if he had to make that choice, he put his God before himself, his family. Very powerful teaching. Okay, then we come to the mitzvah of the day of Rosh Hashanah, which is, the Torah says in Parshas Pinchas, Yom Trua. It is to be a day of blowing. The more correct translation of Trua is a, a cry. It's a day of crying. Now, what does that mean? 
in Parshas Baaluscha, the Torah says in chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, when God forbid there's going to be a war, a crisis in your land, v'hari osem, blow a trua. And in Pasuk 10, on your happy days, blow a tekiah. A tekiah is a happy note, a trua is a sad note. Yom trua, that Rosh Hashanah is a day that we blow, and according to our Mesorah, based upon the oral law of Gezei Rosh we blow a shofar on Rosh Hashanah. The idea is that we are basically saying two very different themes, but not contradictory. One, Rosh Hashanah is a day that we coronate Hashem. And when you coronate a king, you do so by the blowing of horns. Ta-da! Ta-da-da-da-da-da-da-da! And here, instead of that, ta-da-ta-da, we blow a shofar. But the shofar is being blown to basically say, Hashem, we are accepting you as our king. That is very, very important. And that is the first reason for The second reason, the Rambam spells it out in chapter 3, of Hilchos Tshuva, Halacha Dalid, that it's Uru Yeshena Mishnaschem, that the shofar is a wake-up call, a wake-up call for those who, quote, waste their time, a wake-up call for those who don't spend their time in the positive way. Wake up! Look into your deeds, look into your life. It's a time to come on, wake up and smell the coffee and the roses and to realize that we're only here for a short period of time. Let's do it right and take a peek in the Sefer Achinoch in Mitzvah 311, who says that the day of Rosh Hashanah is Kiyumo Shel Olam. It is literally a day that keeps the world going. Why? Because if Hashem would not do this favor and judge us on Rosh Hashanah, so we would accumulate our sins from year to year until, unfortunately, there'd be too many. We have not stopped, looked, and listened, and then, God forbid, man would be worthy of being destroyed. Therefore, comes along every year. We stop, we look, and we listen, and we investigate our actions, and we, please God, use this as a call to tshuva. So two simultaneous themes, different, but reflect on one the other. Because once I accept Hashem as king, which is the coronation, well, that in of itself, listen to me carefully, because Rosh Hashanah is a day. It's the first day of a service you made, tshuva. Tshuva, where is the vidui? Where's the confession? Tshuva, where is the chatasiya visi poshati that usually goes with tshuva? And the answer is that just recognizing Hashem then obligates me, commits me, as we find indeed in the Musaf of the Rosh Hashanah. So what do we do? We blow before Musaf what is called Tkios de Miyushav. They're called Miyushav, in, which means the Tkios of sitting in contrast to the Tkios 
either within the Shemona Esrei, as the Sephardim do, or in the repetition of the Shemona Esrei, as the Ashkenazim do, which is called Tkios de Mu'umad, because we're standing. Now, technically speaking, you could sit for the first 30. We don't because we are excited. We haven't had Shofa since last year. And out of Kobo to the Mitzvah, we, quote, stand. But in reality, you could sit for the first 30. The Musaf of Shmona Esrei of Rosh Hashanah is the longest Musaf of the year. And what does it entail? It entails three different sections, Malchios, Zechronos, and Shofros. And these Malchios, Zechronos, and Shofros really, according to the Sefer Ikarim, so he says that there are really three basic components to Jewish philosophy. One is the existence of God, which is Malchios, and we tend to say ten different psukim to reaffirm our belief in, quote, his existence. The second thing is Scharva Onesh, that there is divine providence. He is involved in our life, reward, punishment. This is Zechronos, that he remembers all and knows all. And we say Tem Psukim of Zechronos. And finally, the third aspect is Torah Minashamayim, that the shofar was blown at Sinai. And we believe that Hashem gave a constitution to the Jewish people. And this is the uh, third section in the Shemona Esrei of uh, Shofros. Very, very important. Try to have a machzor with a translation so that you should understand what you are um, reciting and whether it's a Russian translation or an English translation, whatever works for you, say the Shemona Esrei slowly. Enjoy it. Enjoy the personal encounter that you have with Hashem. Take your time, and even if the Chazim begins and you're still in the middle of the Shemona Esrei, keep on going. Don't worry. To quote my late father, who had a very strong sense of humor, you're going to leave shul the same time that everybody else does as well. Now, <clears throat> you go home, enjoy the lunch afterwards. The, uh, there's a minog not to do too much sleeping on Rosh Hashanah. The idea is put your time to good use. If it's not going to be put to good use, then go to sleep. But there is that minog of saying tashlech on Rosh Hashanah, going, if you can, <clears throat> to a flowing body of water. And what's that all about? One, they coronated kings at a flowing body of water as a sign that his kingship should continue and endure and that's what we're doing on Rosh Hashanah coronation right to Hashem and others say it's to remind us of the Akedah the Satan tried to every which way deter Avram from going to the Akedah including put, putting a uh, body of water in his way and Avraham is not deterred he goes in up to his nose and says that's it Hashem call is yours and the water split and he's able to go to the Akedah I just want to go to the very beginning of Nitzavim and give you a very I think important message from the beginning of Pasha's Nitzavim the literal translation of the first verse, bring it to the table. 
who is talking, Moshe, to the Jewish people about to enter the land of Israel. Atem, he says to them, you are all standing today. And he goes through enumerating all the different components of the Jewish people. Okay? Comes along the Zohar and says, yes, what I just said is Pshuto Shal Mikra, the literal translation, but there's a deeper understanding here. It's not by chance that we read Pashas Nitzavim every year on the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah, and therefore the Hayom says the Zohar refers to the Rosh Hashanah. Atem Nitzavim Hayom, you the Jewish people are still standing today. Kulchem. Why? After all, as the first Rashi says, ay, 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 that they were very much concerned about the Tochacha that we just read. And my goodness, how can the Jewish people endure? So the answer is Kulchem, meaning that you are all together. There's a community, that you are part and parcel of a community. And therefore, the Medrash has brought down in the tour in the first Simon of Rosh Hashanah, says, oh my goodness, look at the Jewish people and look how different they are from the rest of the world. When someone is on trial for their life, they're not concerned, how do I look? They don't bathe. Why? Because they are very much worried. And we demonstrate a sense of optimism, right? We bathe before Rosh Hashanah. We dress nicely for Yom Tov Wait a second, where is this optimism coming from? So the Alta of Kelm gives a very beautiful answer. He says, each individual has to worry. What's going to be next year? On a very personal note, will we be here next Rosh Hashanah? Everybody has to be concerned about that very question. However, one very important point, what do we know going into this Rosh Hashanah? I don't know what's going to be with any in person individually, but I know one thing. Netzach Yisrael lo yishakir. I know that there always will be a Jewish people. I know that the Jewish people are going to make it. And therefore, says the altar of Kelm, if you want to know what is the successful way for the forthcoming year, Become a cloud person. Become a person that the community needs you. Become a person that acts for the community. And each and every one of us can find ways. Volunteer for the community. There are chesed organizations, if you're not yet a part of it. What you can do in shul, you be the one that people who leave the sedurim out quietly without anybody knowing. You clean up and you put everything back in its place. You'll be the one, if you have that kind of a personality, you be the one to greet newcomers who come to shul. You be the one to compliment those that are doing things in the shul and to reinforce it. You be the one to say to a family that is struggling, how can I help? There are so many ways that each and every one of us can become a clown person. <coughs> a person who the community needs them. And as a result, that is a surer way for a person to be secure and say, well, the judgment on me is not just a personal judgment, the judgment on me is a communal one, and you'll ride on the coattails of the community because, as we pointed out, one thing we know for sure, the Jewish people will make it 
to the finish line. I take this opportunity to wish Nachum and his family continued success and atzlacha in servicing the Jewish community by providing them with pride, with Yiddishkeit, with all different aspects of Torah, music, news, and just the sense of belonging to Klal Yisrael. In good health, Nachum, for many years to come, we should all be the beneficiaries of your wonderful service. Wishing everybody a Shabbat Shalom and a Ksiva Vachasimah Tova, a Shnas Chayim Vishalom to all. Give it all, yeah.
Amazing. What a way to uh, wrap things up. I'll tell you, absolutely amazing. Mordechai and David Barosh Hashanah here at JM in the AM. On this, the 35th anniversary of JM in the AM, September the 7th of 1983, Erev Rosh Hashanah, it all began. You're invited to the Kiddush tomorrow at the Mizrahi Apollo Mizrahi on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Yeah, we just decided that this morning. <laughs> um, very special greetings going out to number one daughter, Shoshana Gifter of Staten Island, celebrating a birthday today. Shoshana, your accomplishments never cease to amaze us. To say that we are so very proud of you seems inadequate, but we are all that and so much more. Thank you for all the nachas that you, together with Yaakov and your beautiful family, continue to give us from the day you were born right up to this very minute. You are the proverbial gift that keeps on giving. And if this message sounds familiar, it's because it never gets old. Wishing you a wonderful year ahead and many, many more happy birthdays and good health at 120. Can't wait to see you and enjoy Sukkot with you and the family. Much love from Ima and Abba. We know them as Sina and Ira down in Florida. Because all your work is done. Gonna spend a day together with the Holy One. Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos, well into the to throw away a hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine man and his creator is a very special sign Study and you'll pray 
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Oh, what a week it's been here at JM in the AM, the release of a brand new song. A big, big tip of the hat to uh, Simon Jacob and FDD Productions. Uh, the song, Israel Bill Vavot. So glad we were able to have a part in that and to release that this week. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, check out the video online. Uh, what a week. We made the big announcement for Johannesburg. We leave on the 22nd of October, and we get ready for a week of broadcasting leading up to the Shabbos Project at the birthplace of the Shabbos Project, Johannesburg, South Africa. That's our next Jewish Unity Initiative. What an amazing way to kick off um, the new season and to get ready for 5779. Candle lighting at 658, everybody. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Happy, healthy, sweet New Year to everybody. All of our regular programming until Yuntiv begins, including Matis Sunday morning with JM Sunday. And by the way, Matis tells me I'm at 8,800 JM in the AMs, not 7,800, which is unbelievable. Uh, I've run me tomorrow night with Saturday Night Seagull. Mark Zamek with the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time this morning, followed by the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix. Harry Rothenberg and his Dvar Torah at 1 p.m. Eastern Time today. And Table for Two is next with Naomi Nachman, Suzanne Sasson from Kitchen Caboodles in Brooklyn, and cookbook authors Ruth Fox and Vicki Cohen, two sisters who authored Tahini and Turmeric, will uh, will be on. Naomi has a great giveaway as well. Till next week, Nachman Segal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.